Hi. Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast, the final podcast of 2020. What a year it's been. Stop doing the podcast for a while. That was a mistake. Anyway, on the show tonight, we'll hear from Jamarcus Hardrick of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He has re-signed the first player to re-sign since the CFL reopened for business a few weeks back. We'll also hear from Patrick Williams, who covers the American Hockey League, an update on their return-to-play plans coming up on the podcast. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have made a signing. Jamarcus Hardrick has re-signed with the team on a one-year deal. It is the first player that the team has re-signed since the CFL quote-unquote open for business again early in December. 6'5", 320 pounds from Mississippi, graduate of Nebraska. He's 30 years old, entering his seventh CFL season, fifth with Winnipeg. He's played in 67 games since joining the team prior to the 2016 season, including starting every single game in 2019, both regular season and playoffs. He's a big part of this incredible offensive line that was part of Andrew Harris's success, part of protecting Zach Caleros or Matt Nichols, whoever it's been. The offensive line has been a big part of this team's success over the past few years, especially last year. And he's one piece coming back. Michael Couture is under contract. Pretty much everyone else is not. And Kyle Walters is working on that. Now, earlier today, we got to hear from Jermarcus himself on a conference call. So there is one random beeping noise in one of these clips, but otherwise actually the conference call audio was pretty good today, which isn't always the case. Was there any doubt that he'd be coming back to Winnipeg? Um, it was a lot of doubt in 2020, but I didn't, I didn't want to be anywhere else but Winnipeg. And if they ever offered me, I knew I was coming back and that's kind of, kind of my home, man. Winnipeg is special to me and my family. I have kids that are five and five and four, and I've been in Winnipeg five years, if you count the uh, Corona year, six years. So I have kids, that's all they know is Winnipeg. So this is huge for me, and I couldn't be more happier. This is the Corona year, of course. Now, he was asked this question because money is uncertain across the league. Did he have to take a salary cut? Now, I'm just happy to have a deal. When it came down to when they when they, when Kyle hit my agent up or However it happened, when my agent called me, I was just happy, man, that I had a deal on the table. And once I saw we had a deal and talked to my wife and things, it wasn't even about the number. It was about the opportunity to still be a bummer and to still be in Winnipeg. And that was the major key. And he was also asked about being the first one to sign and if that sets an example for the other guys to follow. Um, It's, it's been talk around. Everyone, everyone knows um, everything going on in the CFL. It just came down to me wanting to still play football and me talking to the guys that were, who've been on the team for years and all of us just talking. It wasn't even about the money. So I'm having conversations with the Stanley Bryans, the Andrews, the Darvins, the Willies, the Big Hills. Like, we've been talking for months, even before any contract talk started. We all knew what was kind of coming. We all stayed in touch. We all said we're going to tuck our chin and just try to keep it together. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future with everyone else, but just from talking, man, the vibe is we all want to come back and we all know what we're going to have to probably take a hit. Now, so that's not about the money, but the pandemic gave him a new appreciation for the game he loves. Yeah, man, um, 
definitely 2020 opened my eyes and made me appreciate the opportunity that I have and just to be able to walk through the doors and meet just uh, working at UPS, being on call for a loader, for loaders. Um, I'm loading trucks to come in for meat, meat packaging places. Uh, I've been working boot camps. I've been training kids. I've been studying doing my refereeing. Uh, I had some, had some odd jobs that didn't go through. I tried to be a newspaper guy for like a week or two. Uh, I did a little construction for a little bit. It's just wherever I can get the money, I just wanted to keep the family happy, keep all the bills going, and I was trying to take the stress off my family. Odd job, Jack. Yes. We need to hear more about this meatpacking plant and newspaper deliveries. Yeah, man. Uh, at meatpacking place, it was basically I called a temp place. Um, it got down. I tried so many jobs I didn't like. I called a temp place, and they said it had a chance for me to just go load, unload trucks and load trucks at a meatpacking place, and it was great for me. I go about four or five hours. I get a couple of pallets. I unload them or I load them. And it worked for me. The newspaper thing—that's—that's that's kind of where I lost me at. Um, I think I had about three or four hundred stops every morning. I was on the busiest side of town. I had to get in and out of the truck every time to put it on the doorstep. I thought I was just going to be running around driving, swinging them out the window. So it was definitely not what I wanted to do. I thought it was going to take an hour or two. I think my first day it took five or six hours in the morning. And I was up at 1 or 2 in the morning. I had to <laughs> load all the bags and put coupons in every bag. It was it was just, it, it, it didn't fit me. He is in Lincoln, Nebraska, by the way. Well, I had a paper route when I was a kid. I had 15 papers to deliver because Terra Ontario is rather small. Now, did Jermarcus at any point worry about his future in football? You have, you have to worry. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I worried if. If things ever would get better, if the normal, if it would be normal again to come across the border, but I always, always worked out. I'm glad I had some stuff at home to keep me active. Um, I always wanted to play, but I always, if it was going to work out and it was going to work out with Winnipeg, that was, it was, it was no debating anything. I didn't have anything to say. So now we got to hear from Jermarcus about his motivation to come back. And one of them, of course, and I think this is probably going to be the case for multiple players, is bringing the band back together for another run at a title. Yeah, well, basically all the guys, man, we're happy about the cup. We kind of moved on from it. We, we wanted a chance to run it back in 2020. But with the fresh start in 2021, we're just going to go back to the base, man, when we start building this thing from the ground up or O'Shea them started building it from the ground up. And that's our approach right now. Uh, we're going to leave 2019 where it's at. We're happy. We're proud about it. Um, wish we got a chance to go right after, after six months. But it's been a little over a year since we played ball, and that 2019 won't really matter. But the guys that are going to come back and the guys we're talking about, we, we know what we want to come back for. Having said that, he was asked about how he feels when he looks back on the last game they played together, which, again, was the Grey Cup victory. Man, just just everything, the build-up, to from the fans telling us or reminding us and just how passionate they are and just the pursuit to go get that championship and to take that final knee. And, man, I can talk for hours. I can start crying right now. I think it'll forever be emotional to me. I thought it's probably one of the best days of my life besides getting married and having kids. I can can think of that at any time of the day, and I can smile or almost cry and it never gets old. You can go watch those highlights in any day. And when I think about that great cup, I just think about 
the guys on that team and that we really did and we worked for it and everyone was bought in and that's the best feeling. We did it together. And they want a chance to do it together again in 2021. We don't know what the CHL is going to look like. What about the American Hockey League as an option? Well, the AHL today maintained that they're going to try to start its season February 5th. The statement from the league president and CEO Scott Housen today, quote, the Board of Governors has approved the structural framework for an AHL season that will begin on February 5th, 2021. Details are still being worked out, but this step allows our teams and their National Hockey League partners to better determine their plans for the coming season. We look forward to dropping the puck on February 5th. So, with that, we bring in Patrick Williams, who covers the American Hockey League for NHL.com. Patrick, thanks for joining us tonight. Are we... Uh, what? What do we know more now than we did a couple months ago when they first said February 5th as the date? Hey, Christian, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, that, that, that statement today was uh, obviously uh, rather vague. Uh, I think that's uh, something everybody around the league would agree on. Um, what's different now is that um, they got through a couple of the big obstacles that were really in their way, one of which was the number of games. Uh, and the second one was... Um, Basically, they're still working through uh, who's who's going to play, who's not going to play, and the domino effect that that would cause, as well as uh, working through some of the testing protocols uh, that they're trying to adopt from the National Hockey League. But uh, obviously, as with most things, it comes down to money. Who will pay for what? How much they'll pay for it? And, uh, you know, can they get that all done in time? Are we expecting every team to participate in the season? Well, nobody's officially ruled themselves out yet, but what I'm told is that uh, a lot of teams are going to have to take a really hard look at this uh, for for the simple reason that, as we've discussed before, there's um, no real hope for most teams to have any meaningful revenue coming in as far as fans and uh, merchandise sales and concessions and all that stuff. Uh, So um, in a lot of ways, teams would play in order to – kind of do right if you will by their national hockey league parent club so uh nhl teams obviously they want their players to develop somewhere nhl teams can provide that uh sort of in the interest of uh, keeping your parent club happy uh they're willing to do that but up to a point they're not willing to uh complete take a complete financial loss on that so that's where they cut that where that comes in is now they're going to the national hockey league club and saying okay well we can play but we need some money uh, we need the financial help, and that's what uh, across the league uh, right now. Twenty teams are owned by NHL clubs, uh, but uh, twelve are independently owned, and that's where some of the real hard uh, discussions are coming in because independent independent owners are saying, "Well, you know, we don't mind playing, but uh, we're not willing to take a, a massive financial loss here. So, you know, we need to help, or we can't play." And essentially, that's where, what it comes down to. And that's why the situation here in Winnipeg is so different than many other cities because the Jets have their AHL team in the same building. So it works great that yes. an all-Canadian division for them doesn't affect their transit between their AHL team and themselves. But for every Canadian team, you can't say that, right? There's only four teams in Canada right. in the American Hockey League. So what has to be worked out for the Canadian teams whose affiliate is in the States? 
Well, that's that's the big issue. The three uh, teams out west, uh, Calgary, uh, Vancouver, and Edmonton, uh, all have their affiliates uh, um, in the U.S. Two of them are in California, one in New York State. So uh, they still have to work through some of the protocols in terms of uh, player movement, uh, uh, getting players back and forth, uh, how long will they have to quarantine when they cross the border, um, issues like that. So that that's a huge issue. That's where I think uh, the Jets and the Manitoba Moose are uh, – kind of counting their blessings right now that they uh, had the foresight uh, you know if that's the right word uh, all those years ago to uh, put put the whole operation in the same city uh, there's no issues in terms of uh, getting players back and forth uh, now where the issue comes in for the moose though is uh, you have your three other Canadian clubs uh, Belleville and um, in Toronto they're both in Ontario and then you have Laval which is right over the border in Quebec well the two Canadian clubs in Ontario right now can't play because of the lockdowns so that, that has an effect on the Moose uh, because uh, they're limited to that uh, four-team Canadian contingent. Well, if you take two teams out or you have to delay something, um, that obviously has a ripple effect right down the, the line to, to Manitoba and right down the line to Laval. So um, now you, you sort of extrapolate that across the entire league and you have all these types of similar situations and you can kind of get a sense of uh, what the, the, league, uh, the league is up against right now. So the ECHL, which is the tier below the AHL, they've actually started to some degree their season. Not every team is a part of the play so far. How has their start gone? Uh, they're muddling through, I think is a fair way to put it. All things considered, uh, they're handing in there. They did have a couple uh, uh, postponements uh, because of, uh, um, I guess you can call it health issues. And then uh, um, the issue for them, and it's a similar issue for the American League, is uh, – when you take a few teams out of the link map for the season, all of a sudden that expands everyone's travel costs. Uh, you know, you no longer have a club, uh, you know, uh, you know, an hour or two away. Um, so um, that's an issue. And then you, that's when you get in that domino effect I spoke of where, okay, well, if a couple will play if a couple of our neighbors will play, but if they can't play, then I think we're out. So um, that's what a lot of teams, uh, especially down in the States are getting into. Uh, the Moose are kind of immune from that situation in the sense that, you know, uh, they, they wherever they go, they have to travel, they have to fly. So, um, yeah, that's something that doesn't really concern them. But And then the other issue with travel-wise is uh, in the American League, everybody flies commercial. So um, how do you get your players uh, you know, to and from uh, one city to the next if you're putting them on, on a plane and uh uh, they're sitting in an airport and they're, you know, breathing in air, air, airplane air. So that that that's an issue uh, if you're trying to keep uh, your players uh, kind of as isolated as possible. That that starts to break down once you have to uh, actually put them on a commercial flight. So a lot of teams that are in that situation are, are really having to weigh those options and and uh, maybe do the hard assessment of can we actually keep these players uh, uh, safe and uh, not run into any sort of, uh, you know, widespread, uh, you know, corona transmission issues. So um, it, it's a lot. There's really no playbook. And uh, uh, today's conference call apparently was uh, you know, over 100 people and lots of NHL general managers sitting in and, uh, you know, everybody kind of putting their head together. How do we, how do we get through this? Because, uh, in the NHL, you can throw money at the problem. The AHL, not so much. So uh, that's where that's where you have to get really creative with some of your solutions. Well, and every pro league is different with what they're able to do, right? We saw with baseball, they didn't have a minor league this year, right? So there was no farm system to develop players 
Uh, football doesn't have that. Basketball with the G League, it's I, I actually don't know. I don't think it's happening right now. So you've got the NHL, and right now it's looking more and more like there won't be junior hockey again this year. Uh-huh. They're still they're still hoping, but if the AHL can't really get it going, what happens for the taxi squads and and all the players that wouldn't be on an NHL roster this year? Well, the taxi squad would be up, and then uh, that's where it starts to get really interesting because you could, let's take Peyton Krebs from the Winnipeg Ice, right? Uh, uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, first-round pick. If the WHL doesn't play, um, all of a sudden, uh, that possibility that he could go play in the American League uh, becomes a much more of a like, uh, likelihood. So um, there, there's players right across the line on Cole Perfetti uh, for the Jets would be another uh, player in a similar situation if he doesn't stick with, with the NHL club. Um, these players have to play somewhere, somewhere especially at that age, at uh, 18, 19-year-old age. They, they need to be playing and if they're not, uh, obviously, as we you know, as we've seen so far, I mean, their development can stagnate, and uh, and that really extends all the way up even to the older players. Uh, the last thing, if you're a 30 year old veteran trying to carve out another you know few years of playing, uh, you don't want to sit out uh, what would essentially be a 19 month uh, you know hiatus. Um, trying to get a contract after that would be a, would be a tough haul, I think, for for most players. Uh, so a lot of older players really, I think, are especially concerned. Uh, with what they're facing because it's already a tough uh, free agent market as it is. I mean, guys like uh, your typical AHL veteran, uh, they're pretty much on a one-year deal uh, year, year to year anyway, and now now you're throwing all this into it as well. So um, a lot of them are uh, kind of really nervous. I've heard from a lot of players that, uh, you know, you start weighing your options. You know, if I'm 30, is this worth uh, keep, you know, to keep this going? Should I maybe uh, – Think about uh, you know putting hockey to, to rest and uh, finding quote unquote a real job. Uh, so uh, a lot of players right now I think are having to wrestle with some really difficult issues that they certainly didn't expect to a, a year ago. And one last thing, Patrick, that we've heard from pretty much every league in getting off the ground, whether it's basketball starting up and NHL soon, is that they want to have something that not only isn't a canceled season, but allows them also to get back on track next fall to have a totally normal 2021, 22 mm-hmm. season. And it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, that all of this is dependent on the virus. We're in a pandemic and it is ultimately going to dictate the plans of everyone. But we're thinking that next fall vaccines, etc., we should be able to have something more normal. Is that what the AHL is thinking here, too, and trying to just have something and kind of minimize the damage and then come back next fall back to normal? Yeah, this year's uh, this season, I should say, is, yeah, exactly. Minimize the damage, uh, kind of get back into the swing of things a little bit as, uh, to the extent that you can. Uh, front office uh, personnel, that's a huge thing. Uh, you, you know, If you want to keep some of your best people, you have to eventually bring them back or else they just have to go somewhere else. Uh, so the sooner you can get them back into the fold, the better. Most teams have had to make some some semblance of cuts, uh, you know, in the past nine, ten months. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then, uh, you know, uh, you want to get this season over with, uh, get your your prospects some playing time as to as much as possible, and then really bear down this summer. Uh, kind of hit the publicity hard. Cross your fingers that everything goes well with the virus and the vaccinations and and, and all that. And then come next October, uh, come back strong. Because 
going to be a challenge to get people come back into buildings, uh, both from a health perspective as well as uh, simply just you know, financially. A lot of people have really been hit hard. The American League really relies on that middle class, that working class type fan base, families. Uh, well, they've, they've been through a lot in the last nine months. Uh, so, uh, you know, getting them sort of uh, situated financially, hoping that uh, your sponsors can come back and just uh, that your financial picture can uh, start to clear up. I think that's the, the long range goal. Uh, this, all this discussion that we're having right now is, is simply about trying to put a band-aid on, on a pretty bad situation. Thanks for your time as always, Patrick. Appreciate it. We'll check in as we get closer to February 5th and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Uh, my pleasure. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?